Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, all I like guns, and I like being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada. My name is Amanda, your host today, and this is episode 204. With me today I have Mike. Hey. I've got Josh. Hey, how's it going? And guest today, Chris. Afternoon. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's jump right in and uh, figure out what we all did in guns. So how about we start with you, Mike? Uh, well, it's been a little while since I've been on. Um, since I was on, we had the whole survey about what gun I should shoot for my next IDPA match, uh, the 1911 one, and I took that to the match. Um, I did actually go practice with it a little bit ahead of time, some dry fire. Um, I realized I've never actually put that much time into dry firing uh, semi-autos. Um, I guess I just got into revolvers so early on that I just never really did it. So it, it was a bit of a different experience. I had to learn how to dry fire again, just because, you know, with a slide, you either have to manually cock it or rack it and magazines falling on the floor and rounds accidentally getting chambered, things like that. All dummies, of course, but <laughs> still just all new stuff that I'm constantly doing learning. But uh, besides that, I, I had a problem with my 1911. So it was a lot of fun to shoot the match with, which is the whole reason why I did this, you know, took, took a gun that I don't normally shoot and took it to a match. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, had a great time. It was a great match run by the people out at uh, USC. But the gun jammed um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, I think, in the whole match, in a six-stage match. Do I really have to say it? It was, it was a Norinko. It, it is a Norinko. <laughs> Um, but anyways, yeah, so that part of it was not so fun, but outside of that, it was, it wasn't bad. Um, anyone who shoots IDPA would know that the 1911 in a division where you only get eight pounds in your mag instead of 10. Um, I didn't really find that to be that detrimental. I actually found a few spots where it was even beneficial. Um, but well, it was, it was good overall. Um, I did talk to someone after about the mat, about the jams and they suggested that it was my recoil spring. So I did take that out and mm -hmm. I looked through my notes and I found out that it was a 16 pound spring. Okay. That's, that's fine. Maybe it is too late. Um, I also realized I put in a shock buffer in there. Um, when I took the gun apart, the shock buffer had a real indentation in it. So it, the recoil spring was too late. So that means that it was slamming into the gun, the slide when it would come back. Um, Yikes. Yeah, so that was too late. So, so the recoil buffer is basically just like a block? Yeah, it's uh, like a little rubber pad that you can kind of put. It's an aftermarket thing that you can put in there. And what it is is when your slide comes back, instead of if you have too late of a spring, the slide will come back and it will hit into the frame, metal on metal. The whole point of the shock buffer is like a little rubber piece that goes in between that reduces that smashing feeling. Um, yeah. But I did try taking it out, the shock buffer, and I put the spring back in because I wasn't sure, 100% sure, I guess I didn't realize this at the time, that it was too late of a spring. Took it to the range, shot it, and I could feel the slide slam into the frame. Like, 
I don't know if I've ever <laughs> felt that before, but like it, it, I could feel it in my hand when I shot it. So clearly that's too light of a spring. I found a heavier one. I put it in and I shot the gun a few times to test fire it. And the hammer wouldn't quite 100% reset. Um, pretty much you could just put like the weight of your thumb on the hammer and you could see the trigger as it, uh, I don't know, I guess latches somewhere inside internally in the gun to actually reset the trigger. Um, mm -hmm. uh, someone I was shooting with said that they think the slide wasn't even going all the way back. So pretty much oh, wow. I have a too light spring and I have a too heavy spring. So, uh, <laughs> I got to wait and see if I can buy a somewhere in the middle. And I have no idea what the too heavy spring is because it's just a stock one that came in the gun. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So the fun of that, but I mean, I'm not worried. It's just, I, I have my 1911 just to shoot for fun. I don't shoot it seriously, so I don't mind sitting on it and waiting until I can get some springs. Um, so, so how did you? How do you think you scored? Um, you know, compared to had you used a revolver, like your average score on a match like that? Uh, do you think you did similarly, or do you think you did worse? Or? <laughs> I would say because of the jams, I did probably about the same. Uh, <laughs> I do okay. like I, I have to acknowledge that there is a clear advantage to using a semi over a revolver when you're looking at overall scores. So, yeah, but I mean, with all the jams, I probably finished somewhere. I think I finished somewhere in the middle of the pack, like 50 percent of the match, which is pretty much where I would normally finish with the revolver. I see. Um, yeah. A uh, weekend after that, I shot up in in uh, Peterborough at a Nipsic match back to my 627. Uh, match was good, a lot of fun. It was a lot of steel. It was uh, it was actually still it was right at that perfect temperature, about zero. The ground's still frozen, so it doesn't turn to mud, but yet uh, it's not that cold out. I don't know. I liked it. Um, but yeah, that match went well. That's where I managed to uh, pick up the trophy and the uh, the medal, the President Choice medal for or President medal. I don't know what it's called actually. Uh, for the level three upstick match I shot there a while ago. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Saw that. Nice piece of hardware. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's nice. Uh, it's nice getting a little trophy like that. You get to put on the shelf. You know, makes it's not like on the dining room table or anything. No. No, I don't think it would last very long on the dining room table. <laughs> um, Come on, Sarah. It's part of the decor. <laughs> yeah. She probably not on hood of the car. <laughs> You'd probably say something like, as, as, when I start earning money for shooting, then I can put my trophies on the dining room table. <laughs> Fair enough, then. Yeah. Um, and then since then, I also shot an IDPA match, and, another IDPA match. And this time, I decided to shoot it with Sarah's M&P Pro. So Sarah was there shooting with me as well. We just shared the gun. Um, so this is her 5-inch long M&P Pro. Uh she has the Apex trigger. Um, I don't know who makes it, but it had a magwell on it with the uh, base pads. So it's as open as you get in 90PA, which is not, not even close to real open, like an Ipsic. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a pretty tricked out gun for what it is. And I, I had a blast shooting that gun, actually. It was really fun. Um, I think the weight on the bottom with the magwell really does make it a lot more comfortable to shoot than a like for a polymer gun compared right. to a polymer one without it um it was really good and that is actually the match that i took my first ever overall win in idpa so i was quite happy with that 
job. Yeah. Awesome. I tried to convince Sarah that since I beat her with her own gun, it meant that it's my gun now, but uh, that didn't fly. <laughs> that was a hard no from her. Yeah. She was like, uh-uh, get your own. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, At least you got to use it. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. All righty. Hey, well, no, I see something about some 3D printing. I want to hear about that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I did some 3D printing stuff. You mentioned a while ago me trying to print moon clips. Did I, yeah. did I talk about this before? Well, we, we we chatted a little bit about it. I don't remember if it was on air or off air. But... Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I, I did try 3D printing some moon clips for uh, Sarah 6, or no, 929. Uh yeah, they they work all right. I don't know if I try them for a competition, but I mean, if I had just bought the gun and I didn't want to fork out the money to buy good quality ones right away, I mean, they would do in a pinch. Yeah. But yeah, and then uh, I had a friend ask me about uh, speed loader trays, which is uh, when you use speed loaders, especially the Safari Comp uh, 2s or 3s, uh, you really got to put them up against a solid flat surface to push against when you uh, kind of snap it in. I, I don't know how else to really describe it. You push and twist and against a spring. And it... Anyway, so I had one of these <laughs> store-bought tray things, and it was not cheap. And I showed it to him, and he really liked it. And then I got the idea, why won't I just try printing one? So I ended up printing one that I found online, and it actually works quite fantastic. So another money-saving opportunity if you have a 3D printer. Even though how a 3D go. printer costs way more than a a, a loading block would. And what is the, yeah, and the material cost too that you have to feed into. What does that cost? Like, what do you think it wound up costing you without the cost of the actual printer itself? Uh, just a couple of dollars, probably at the most. Oh, that's not bad. no. Yeah, it's when you start doing 3D printing, a lot of times the software will actually give you a rough estimate of how much it would cost. You put in how much you know a roll a real cost of filament, and it will give okay. you an estimate of how much it cost that's good so you don't get started into a project and not really realize <laughs> yeah yeah oh i'm replacing this uh yeah two, 10 cent gasket with a you know 30 cent printed part right yeah right. But, well yeah i printed that i also printed a bullet feeder die and the uh, horny lock and load bushing i and actually even the uh, lock nut so i've almost completely with just 3d printed parts made a bullet feeder that's awesome. Yeah, all I had to do was add a, a ball bearing and some elastics, and now I have a bolt feeding die. So I haven't actually had a chance to like really, you know, reload a thousand rounds with it, but I've I've uh, played around with it, and it, it seems to work quite consistently too. Okay, so we need an updated video on your uh, on your press. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's pretty boring because it's all printed in black, so you can't actually see anything really. Okay. <laughs> no, but those bullet those uh, quick chains are. They're not cheap. No, they're not. Um, I I have I don't know how many I have of them now, but uh, yeah, it, I just went online and I could just search it up, and someone had already designed it and everything, so I printed it off and it worked fine. And I figured with the bullet feeder, there's really no pressure on it because like, no, like they're, they're, you push up a little bit and all it does is activate a uh, ball bearing slips out of the way and a bullet falls down. That's it. You're not resizing. You're not trying to cram a bullet in there or anything. So oh, you just dropping and loading yeah so it was, it was a it was a really nice cheap option i don't have a lot more i don't have a lot of other things i guess like a bullet cop or a powder cop would be a good thing to put one of those in but yeah 
nicer than like you said i think they're pushing five dollars for one so well i bought the 10 pack so i could set a bunch of bunch of different ones up and it's like these things aren't cheap no no you really got to think about uh where you're using them so yeah it was a nice cheap little uh money saving thing right there yeah that's awesome yeah and that's about everything then mike yeah i think so (laughs) cool uh what about you josh well, uh, last Sunday I got to the range with my buddy Jeff there and got to try some of his firearms I haven't tried before. He uh, he has a Ruger Wrangler that I've been looking to get my hands on for some time now because I've been really interested in, in purchasing one, but I've only held them in the store. I've never gotten to shoot one yet. So he brought that out, and I was actually really surprised how accurate it was. Um, took a, like a 20 yards. It wasn't really a problem. I was wondering how the fixed blade sights would be, but it was pretty much dead on. And uh, it was nice to shoot. Felt all right. Um, for the price, I, I, I just don't think you can go wrong. I think he, I think he paid around 270 bucks for it plus tax. So it's just, it's a nice, fun little, little plinking gun. Nice for people to try out. That's the, uh, that's a single action 22. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Single action only. And it's, uh, I don't know, just like a cheap version of the Blackhawk or something, I guess, right? Like it's just a, it's all Cerakoted. It's it's it, you can tell it's more cheaply made, but it it functioned perfectly and it felt really nice and was accurate. So I think it's it's definitely worth the money. Nice, a lot lighter than mine, Josh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is quite a bit lighter. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's about it there. And and he had a, a GSG 16. Got to try that too. It's uh kind of a tactical 22. <laughs> But uh, I think he had a 22 round magazine on it, so I was just banging away on that. That was that was kind of fun. Um, the, actually, today we went to uh, to a rifle match. Chris and Amanda and I in Guelph at the Guelph Rod and Gun, put on by uh, Andrew from Ragnarok. And this is the second time that I've attended, but this time I was able to coerce Amanda and uh, Chris to come with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll let Amanda talk about her experience there. But I was. I was pretty happy with with how I shot. I wasn't really happy with my score because I think I did a little bit better last time, but uh, I didn't have any screw ups. Gun functioned properly, no miss, no misfires, nothing. And I, I did all the steps properly, and I didn't screw anything up. So I was really happy about that. Everything felt really smooth and comfortable. But I just needed to get a few more points out there because I invited Chris along, got him to come with me, and he beat me. He should have let me win. <laughs> did, did you use your gun too? No, no. didn't use my gun. No. <laughs> But it's actually probably only the second time he shot that gun, which is kind of crappy. But um, but I yeah. shoot rifle all the time. You do. So let's let's get it. Let's do a handgun match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I might as well let my kid fire my twenty-two. He does better than I do. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's about all I was up to. Okay. And uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, besides running courses every weekend for pals and hunting courses and participated in the deer hunt at the start of the year. And that was interesting with the weather that was available. Did you get anything? Uh, we got a dole. Dad got a dole. There was just too much food out in the bush that the deer weren't coming out. Right. You got the season too though, right? Like that was a really warm week. Oh yeah, it was. We started off with snow, and then we were out in our t-shirts. Yeah, so that wouldn't have helped at all. And you were up, you were up north, or where were you? Um, I guess from where you guys are, 
about an hour, 40 right. minutes, just north of Wingham. Okay. So just the south end of the Bruce County where the rifle starts. Okay. Well, at least you got a doe. That's good. Yeah, some meat in the freezer. And, but I went out for a walk on the Saturday, and once I did a good walk of the bush, it's like, well, there's too much food here. They're not coming out. They're they're yeah. not going out to the feed the the fields where they have to feed. Yeah. So. And what did you think of the uh, the match today? Um. Once I settled in, hardest part was trying to remember top or bottom target. Yeah. And <laughs> okay, just two shots. Yeah. Switch positions. <laughs> but. That's going to come with practice, too. Yes, absolutely. I enjoyed it, but I'm like you. It was standing there. That wind was chilly. Mm-hmm. Certainly was. And not being at, never being at one of those, it's really don't know what to expect. No. Agreed with you. Pretty laid back, straightforward. He's got the rules there, and I noticed he sent an email out because he forgot some information on the uh, scores. Oh, oh, well, we'll have to take a look at that after. So he he had the optics and action, but he didn't have caliber. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think the same thing happened last time. I had to go and email him my 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 information after the fact. Actually, yeah. he sent it out in a Google Docs, and you can edit it. Oh okay. Well, that's good. We'll have to take a look at that. So, anything so, else to add for what you did this week, Chris? Well, I never made it out to the Thursday night crew, other than to say hi and bye. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, we had a pretty good turn, pretty good turnout. There's six, uh, six people. That was all right. That's yeah. good for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. it well, everybody Look. got their hunting in, and uh, so we yeah, we had a couple, had a couple of weeks there where nobody was showing up because everybody was in the bush. There was three of us the one week. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Um, I did participate in the PPC match this uh, past Thursday, and I'm starting to get the hang of it finally. Uh, This is the first time that I got all the instructions correct. So (laughs) my main thing was, um, you know, switching hands from left to right. um, And then, of course, the kneeling, um, standing. Uh, I don't know. It was just a little all over the place. And I think the very first time I had forgotten to use one handed for five rounds. So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm starting to get excited and I'm noticing that I'm hitting a lot of black area. So I'm, I'm happy to see that I'm, they're not too wild. So that's making it uh, pretty exciting. And the group is very supportive, which makes it a lot of fun. So and I think so, you're using Matt's gun and there was no misfires. No, no misfires. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had two misfires last week with his gun, but then when I'm using your victory, I'm getting the stovepipes quite a bit. And it was, it was very frustrating. The very first time I shot, I, I gave up after the last round. I was like, forget it, not doing it. I don't have the patience for it right now. So uh, what were you shooting? Sorry. 
Uh oh goodness. It was a Ruger Mark III, I think. Yeah, Ruger Mark III. Okay. So it's a, a little heavier gun, and but I really did enjoy it. So had a, a nice size grip for my hand, so I was excited. So um, as the other boys mentioned, we all went to the uh, partisan match in at the Guelph Rod and Gun, and I have to say that's a really neat little range there. Um, it was really a lot of fun, but I was freezing, like Chris was talking about. Uh, <laughs> and I even had thermals on and then uh, lots of layers, but I should have brought an extra coat, and I definitely didn't do that. So I'll have to learn for next time. Um, I was there more to learn about the structure. I wasn't having very high expectations on my on my scores at all. Uh, but, you know, that comes with the whole process. So I was frazzled uh, when it came to a couple of the instructions. Like Chris said, it's like, okay, we're only shooting one one shot, one per shot for 10, yeah, for, yeah, per exposure, 10 seconds. And then there was two per 10 seconds. And then we started standing and moved to prone position. And I almost started shooting standing. And <laughs> it's like, oh, crazy. But um, I ended up having two bullets get jammed. And with um, missing some of the instructions, I know there was at least four rounds that I missed actually hitting the target. So that would have upped my score, but my main goal was to hit over 200, and I did that, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, but I will say, once I was done, like, definitely Chris and Josh were like, yeah, awesome, good job. And I was like, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need to be alone right now, and it, I just needed a minute to process, and I kind of wondered what you guys feel when you're done, like, do you do you need a few minutes to yourself or do you get excited to talk about it? I mean, so how do you guys process after you're done a shoot? It just depends on, I guess, how I felt as I was shooting, I guess. Sometimes it's a, a big sigh of relief that it's over and sometimes you, you just want to keep going. It just depends on mm-hmm. how you felt you did, I guess. Well, maybe I should be more specific on if you know that you didn't do as great as you wanted to. Yeah, and I just, that? I guess, yeah, I guess I'd be a little bit like you and I just want to Put my gun away and go look at the <laughs> scorecard and kind of figure yeah. it all out. What about you, Chris? Um, I know what it's like when stuff's not going right with the actions and, or jamming and stuff like that. It is mm-hmm. frustrating. I've I've had it happen at the club. Like I come mm-hmm. morning shoots and it yeah. sucks. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't calm you down any. No. It it's more of a, a big irritant, ir, irritation. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. What about you, Mike? Oh, I'm more of a leave me alone person. Leave me alone. Yeah. Oh. I could picture you just firing your case into the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not alone in that feeling. Then is what you guys are telling me. No. No. Okay. And that you guys kind of process the same way. Yeah, you, you get frustrated when stuff isn't going right, and uh, mm-hmm. but you learn from it as far as, okay, this is the first time out doing it. Yeah. There's certain things that I may do differently, and I know one of them was when we were doing the sitting position. Mm-hmm. Started one way, and it wasn't comfortable, and I couldn't hold the target. Yeah. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I found that too. I had to I had to keep my legs kind of crossed to keep my legs from kind of quivering, right, as I'm sitting there waiting. And then if I wasn't uh, I wasn't lined up right, because every time I brought the rifle up to my shoulder, I was off to the next target, like number yeah. four, number three. So I had to turn my whole body a little bit more just so it was an easier transition when you try to acquire your target. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that, just getting into the a comfortable position. Well, I was looking for a tree because that's how I typically do it. I got my oh, back yeah. up against a tree and a knee up. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do that I'm, at a at a range. I'm out, I'm out in the wide open. This isn't familiar territory. Yeah, yeah. right. right. <laughs> like you accommodate, you get accustomed to your surroundings and and your setups. Yeah. Yeah. So, but even prone, I don't do a whole lot of shooting at prone and. I wasn't happy with my sight view through the scope. Oh, no? Oh, because you're too close when you're prone? I just, I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep the crosshair centered. Oh. And I I just, I don't know if it's because of the glasses. I found my, between my, my glasses and my hat, I, and I think it was going into sitting position. I noticed that my circle was a lot smaller, so I had a hard time adjusting myself appropriately. So. Well, I think when you're when you're prone, isn't your eye relief a lot like you're a lot closer, right? So it gets a little yeah. bit harder. Yeah. yeah. So. Hey, we could have all had Andrew's sights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, sight with an M1 Grand. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know what he shot? I didn't hear what his score was. He said it wasn't great. But uh, I give them all the credit in the world. Open sights, basically. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like that that peep sight. When I look through the sight, it's like there's not much of that target showing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that, I think that was about it for me, though. So we'll just move on to our main topic, and the reason why we have Chris on the show with us today is uh, bow basics. So. Uh, Chris is an avid gun and archery enthusiast, so uh, why don't you give a little quick tidbit about yourself, Chris? Um, Mainly, I got started probably 20 years ago. Uh, One of the guys I worked with introduced me to the archery end of it. Started off with compound because a lot easier to hunt with, a lot less forgiving. Um. But lately, I've switched back to traditional and bearable, where I have no sights whatsoever. I have an arrow rest, and I find it interesting. It's a challenge, even at the short distances that we shoot. Mm-hmm. Now, you did take an archery instruction course as well, right? Yeah, I uh, completed... That was a two-day course up at Caledon at the Archers Archers of Caledon. They've got a beautiful facility on 32 acres. Oh. Big indoor, um, big outdoor. They do field and um, they do field archery for your Olympic style, mm-hmm. where they shoot from 10 meters out to 90. Oh, oh very good. 90 meters, holy cow. That's quite a yeah, 90 meters. Shot. That's a long shot, and you hope there's no wind. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. I so. asked the instructor, I said, what happens if you get a slight crosswind? And he says, 
depending on how much it's blowing, you're aiming at the other target. Oh, dear. Wow. And hoping she travels over. <laughs> sure. Uh, but they've got a 3D art course set up out in the bush. That's yeah. Really good. Uh, very mm-hmm. good facility. But they do put on a very good uh, course. And it's awesome. the course I took was how to how to help with the in, instructing. That's so awesome. Yeah, and actually, yeah, and that's what's helped Josh and I with our archery at the club. There is we took a, a few sessions out there, and um, Chris gave us some good tidbits on what we're how we're shooting with our recurves and uh, just lots of practice in there, taking a look at what kind of arrows we're shooting and. Fixing our arrows and finding our, arrows. finding our arrows. Yeah. <laughs> He's done a done few. more finding than I fixed. Yeah. Well, you stepped on one of mine, so that's why you yeah, have Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd use different colors, they'd stick out better. Yeah. Yeah. We still got to get a, a metal detector out to find one of them there over number two. But. Well, it's <laughs> not in the ground yet. That could be a possibility next weekend. Oh, yeah. very good. Yeah. So um, we're going to... Talk a little bit more about bows today. So bows for beginners. Um, let's start with what are the main types of bows and what they're used for. Your three main types are, and I'm going to include crossbows in this because okay. it is a form of it. Mm-hmm. So you've got a crossbow, you've got a compound, you've got a recurve or a longbow. Okay. Uh, and. What what would be their uses for them? Crossbow is mostly for hunting. They do use it for 3D archery. Uh, your compound, hunting, target shooting. Uh, competitive shooting, they use a lot of compounds for. And same, then you're into the recurve and longbow, which is your traditional. No sights. You can set sights up on them uh, for hunting target shooting a lot of your olympic style shooting is recurve there's compound so if you were if you were just starting out what do you think you'd want to gravitate to a lot of it depends what your use main use of that bow is going to be if you're just target shooting my personal opinion is start with a lightweight bow in a recurve mm-hmm. get comfortable with it because your form your form's going to change a little bit but it's it's the basics it's going to be the same movements continuous where so think- compound, compound depending which draw weight you get for impact so a minute if you're using it for hunting, you're at a minimum weight. Well, if you're just starting out, you can't pull that. There's a fair bit of leverage to get that string back. Where a light recurve, anybody can pull it back, and you can always upgrade them. Sure. Um, I'm going to retract here for a second. Mike, you said that you have a bow. So what kind of bow do you have, and uh, what draw weight? I have a compound bow, and I assume it's set up for at least 55 pounds, because I believe that's what you need for deer hunting. 
um, when I got it and you buy it and the guy's stringing it up or whatever and I told him I want it for hunting so set it up for hunting so okay yeah. and did you have any bows previous to that while you were learning or did you jump straight into a compound for hunting bow um, no I did so this is at a store out here uh, great what's it called uh, that hunting store they have an indoor archery area. What's that hunting store called? <laughs> it's called that hunt. I know. I should be easier to remember, right? Um, yeah. I like that. Anyways, yeah. That's so cool. they have an indoor archery range there, and they do do like league night and stuff. And they had an uh, intro to archery, and that was like uh, five weeks. I can't remember what it was, like every Tuesday or whatever kind of thing. So I went and I did that, um, and in there we were shooting recurve bows with. And I want to say they had no sights on them. No, I would say a good chunk of recurves, they suggest that you do not. So, so yeah, that's the thing. Like when I, like I, I, my first bow was actually a compound as well, but that's just because it was a, a hand-me-down. I, I, and uh, when I took it to get restrung at the bow store there, they told me to just drop all this, all the pin sights down. He took the peep off the string and he said, just learn to shoot without sights first. So that kind of goes along with starting with a recurve, right? With no sights, just kind of get that instinct down, eh? I, I get it. But someone coming from the shooting world, I felt like it was it was really weird for me. I, <laughs> I say that all the time. Because right? <laughs> like, I, I need something to look at, yeah. And I, I've done competitive shooting, like, and where you have to learn that, okay, if my target's only three yards away, I don't have time to sit here and line up the bullseye. You pretty much pull the gun up and you're almost like point shooting so i i understand mm -hmm. that concept too but i think my problem was that i was so inconsistent and the fact that i didn't have like any sort of reference to where it's being inconsistent you know i didn't know if i was always pulling it down because i didn't know if i was aiming at the same spot every time mm -hmm. and that was my uh, issues i guess i'll call it with that yeah I, I can imagine. So now I, even though I did do some shooting, I didn't get my pal until later on. So I ended up getting a recurve bow. It was gifted to me, but um, it was definitely what I wanted. And I have no interest in hunting. I know I could use a recurve for hunting if I really wanted to go old school, but I am more of a, just a target or potential 3d archery. Um, I really enjoy the process of it. Like I do get frustrated when I don't hit my targets the way I want them to. But as Chris was teaching me, it's not really about hitting the target. It's about your whole posture and your structure. And when you do that, then you naturally start hitting that target the way you want it to when you start doing it correctly. So it's a, it is a completely different kind of shooting which I thoroughly enjoy, and it is very different from from using guns, yeah. 100%. But I, I love both worlds of it, 100%. And, and the recurves are so light, too. Like, it's so nice just to go for a walk in the bush with the recurve compared to even my, my compound's kind of old and it's pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a, it's such a different feeling. It's so relaxing just walking around with the light recurve. Yeah. Thick and string. Go ahead, Chris. Like walking around with a stick and string. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, so regardless of the bow type, then what feature should you be looking for in, as a beginner? Comfort. Something that sits good in your hand. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you want your eyes or where you grip to fit comfortably. Some bows are, they'll have a small handle that you hold on to. For me, I like a little more structure in the handle. Uh, And then comfort level is 24 to 30 pound pull. You can shoot it all day long and not get tired. Yeah. Um, Typically for an adult, um, the kids, they can start anywhere from 16 pounds to 20 pounds. And the nice thing with the recurves are, you go to a local store and you buy the bow from them. Most of them have a trade-in uh, sequence. There as long you as you look after them, you can trade up the bow limbs to get something heavier. Yeah. That's And so that kind of goes along with the idea of takedown or not, so pros and cons. I'm going to jump there first, and then we got some more... Info can, you, there. can you adjust the weight on a, on a compound or is it always just set yes up? no you can adjust the weight on it <laughs> typically what you will do is where the limbs attach to the riser there's a there'll be a big allen key uh bolt big be about an inch maybe an inch in diameter bolt you can you have to be very careful though because you have to back it off top and bottom the same amount of turns Mm-hmm. And that changes your draw weight. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if so, you go too far, that thing will come apart. Uh, so is that something you recommend doing yourself or taking to a professional? To me, I would take it to somebody that is set up to repair the compounds only because they can put it in a press. And then they could actually test the weight too, right? They've also will typically have a scale. They can put it on and say, okay, we're down to roughly if you're a 65 draw we're down to roughly a 55 okay Um, could you explain what that means my compound is set up for 65 pound draw weight so when i get to almost full draw and i'm like josh i have an older compound my let off i almost have to be at a full draw before it gets real easy to pull back and my string tension is set at 65 pounds. So when I release, there's 65 pounds of energy pushing that arrow through the air. Okay. So if I back off my limb bolts, I can decrease the tension on the limbs. So if you watch the bow, the limbs will actually start, your cams will start to come in towards each other. Okay. Okay. Because of the strength of the, because of the weight of the string and the cables. Yeah. So I guess that's why, you know, you could probably handle a lot more weight with a a compound than you could a recurve um, because of the let off. Like it just feels totally different. You could have a 60 pound recurve or a 60 pound compound but not be able to pull the recurve (laughs) recurve has no let off whatsoever the more you pull it the harder it gets yeah um and to go back to where we were talking about sighting 
an example in the gun world would be take a shotgun that's got no bead on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where do you point of aim? You're not sure till you start practicing with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're or if you're you know shooting shooting clays, then you aim ahead or try to compensate for that. Yeah. Or, but it's know, the swing of it, right? It all goes back to in the gun world. It's a good cheek weld. A good look down the barrel. Same thing in the archery world. I bring that hand back. It goes to the same spot on your face. You try to maintain the same gap between the shaft of the arrow and your eyesight on the target. And it's that picking that one inch or whatever the difference is between the arrow and your eye and trying to be consistent with that. It's the same in a rifle end of it. But I know what you mean when you go from not having sights. When you're used to having sights, Mm -hmm. it's a blind world. You have no reference. So another good question here that I see is how do you size a bow for yourself? Um, Um, Most bow shops, if you go in, they will take a measurement of your arm span, tip to tip. And you'll put your arms out, make a cross, they'll measure. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fancy little math formula they plug all the information into, and they'll come up with a proper length. Okay. And same thing, they do testing for draw weight as well. So yep. when like they'll either have a like a puller there with the different weights that lets you know, or sometimes they'll even let you pull the bows themselves that are already strong to test how your draw weight is. Yep. So. Um, a lot of and them. There's also the, the draw length to think of as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the draw length is basically when you're at full draw, it's going to be a measurement between your front of your lead hand which in my case is my left because I'm right-handed, and where I am situated at full draw. Okay. So that's your that's a rough draw length. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them they usually go in two two inch inc- increments. Okay. And anywhere's from 24 up to 36. Is your your average stand, standard lengths depending on your height? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's all based off your height and what your arm span is. Gotcha. So um, when looking at a bow, then what are some things that you feel that you should avoid other than overdrawing weights? If you're just getting into it. Mm-hmm. There's not a bad bow out there. All the manufacturers make a good bow. If not, they wouldn't be in business. Mm-hmm. They're all competitive. There's a few that, oh, I'd really like it, but you're just starting out. Don't spend a fortune. That's a fair enough statement. It seems like a lot of the entry level bows are around the $150, $175 range. Yep. That I see for, you know. for 200 bucks, you can get set up. I think I'd be wary buying something off Amazon, but if I'm going to a bow shop, 
I wouldn't worry about it so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was just thinking about, like, like you mentioned with upgrades of limbs, you want to make sure that you can find the manufacturer's parts later on, right? Or repairs. Yeah, it's, it's no different than the gun world. You want a, a reputable company. The mm-hmm. nice thing with most of the companies are even like even the distributors, the dealers of the equipment with mm-hmm. the recurve world. Yeah, they you most of them usually have it that if you keep good care of your limbs, you can upgrade to a different draw weight mm-hmm. and for half the price. So there's a question I've got that maybe I should have asked earlier. When would I want to go with a longbow versus a recurve? Like I, it seems like recurves are far more popular than a longbow. Most of it's price. Okay. Longbows are far more expensive. Yeah, because they're all handmade. But as far as performance goes, or starting out learning, longbows very hard to get the knack of. For accuracy? No, they're their own. They are their own animal. <laughs> okay. So, so, so I guess you need to bring one for us to try. <laughs> yeah. That would be interesting. Okay, we're setting targets up on the long gun range. Yeah. Oh. So I can find them. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a good idea. It's longbows have their nuances. They are uh, the one I have. I like shooting it because it's extremely quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, is that a characteristic? Is that a characteristic yes. of longbows? Yeah. So. Like Amanda was saying, better for hunting than potentially. Yeah, but it delivers an extremely hard jolt to your lead hand. Oh. And they call it they call it a shock. Okay. Um, so something that you have to really put that. Oh, I know exactly how I can put it, and that was firing a 500 Smith and Wesson. <laughs> well, Amanda hasn't done that, but I have. No. <laughs> so you know the impact on the forearms. Oh yeah, I I've heard about that, and I think we got a video of of Josh uh, shooting off the 500 Smith and Wesson. That was interesting. I think even after one shot, you were like, "Ooh, I'm done. So <laughs> no the more." Long, the long bows can have that, depending on type of wood who's made them okay so that's good to know. I, I guess moving through the bush too would you have would it be more awkward because they are larger mm-hmm. well i look at your guys recurves and i think they're awfully huge considering what i shoot and i shoot a one piece okay so that's a good question too one piece or takedown Everybody uses the takedowns because of convenience. They store easily. Mm-hmm. I have to have a great big case to put mine in. Where mm-hmm. the takedowns, I can buy a backpack and throw them in and they're stored. Yeah. And you I, only got, what, 20-inch pieces? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're 21-inch. So there's no, there's no difference in performance that you've ever noticed. No, if you look, if you watch the Olympic shooters, they're all shooting recurved takedowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of the features that I liked about was being able to take my 
my limbs in and like you said get yeah, the cost right. down because i mean i if just priced it, was, it out how much was it going to be 110 with a trade-in 75 so, yeah with a trade-in it would be 75 so my limbs as long as they were in good condition about 45 50 bucks yeah but it's going to be about yeah exactly so, so then, it was yeah, about if, you got a, if you had a one piece then you're stuck with that draw weight yeah but you said you could trade that whole bow in and get a, a, a price on it as well but I, the whole idea is, I love my riser and I love, I love, I love my bow. I wouldn't want to get rid of it. And so the whole idea of changing the risers is appealing to me, or keeping my risers um, for my kids. I like they wanted to start shooting because I have a 20 pound uh, limbs right now, and I don't know. I've had some controversy on people tell me, oh, that's that's not a lot of weight. Like, why are you only drawing 20 pounds? But it works well for me and my arm strength right now. I just don't get the same the whole accuracy, thing. I think. You got to throw out the, the macho ego and just use what's comfortable. And yeah. Like I said, like you yeah. say, you can shoot all day. Because how many, how many arrows did we shoot that first day we walked around the, uh, the, outdoor, the new outdoor range? I mean, we must have shot, mm-hmm. I don't know, 60 arrows. <laughs> well, even the, at the shoots, we were shooting three per target. And we had 10 up. Yeah. Like there's 30 arrows in the round. Yeah. Um, So there's, there's benefits to both, but you're saying that storage is one, one thing to consider. Yeah. Storage is. Our our bows are bigger looking though. So compared compared to to my one piece. Yes. There there's, but I would say 16 inches difference. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I I thought my bow was a smaller one compared to some I've seen, but maybe that's just the the long bows that I'm looking at. I don't know. But uh, okay. So what about maintenance? Uh, what are some? Let's pick the top three maintenance points that you would consider for a bow. Uh, for the recurves, waxing the string. Mhm. That's number one. How often do you wax? It's a personal question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get me all bothered here, but it's not How often should you wax your string? Let me reiterate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're out regularly once a month okay so what does the waxing do it keeps the string from uh, the strands from breaking from fraying okay so it just keeps everything molded together just before I started shooting I didn't realize that the string was made up of many small strands. I didn't realize that until now. And they're kind of, they're, they're twisted together a little bit, right? Depends on the style of string you use. There's your standard string, and then there's a Flemish twist. And the differences are? Preference. Yeah. 
uh, the Flemish twist has has a distinctive turn turn to it, and it's in the design of how it's built. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some I've people watched, I've some watched videos. I understand the process, and it's like one day I'm going to try it. I'm going to make the strings. Well, but I just don't jig up and try to make it. Yeah. And the jigs are actually pretty simple, but it's, you look at what goes into it and it's like, there's a lot of work to it. They make it look so easy in the videos. I'll tell you that much. Yes. I'll guarantee you the first one I try ain't going to come out as per spec. No. So I've, I've been told that you shouldn't get wax on the serving. Is that a problem or should you wax the serving or not? I know with my compound, I wax most of it. Yeah. Okay. Even the serving. I, I'll, around where the knock is and where the arrow rests, I don't. Okay. okay. Only because sense. you're usually hitting the knock and you, you're destroying the end of the wax stick. Yeah. Right. Sorry, what's the serving? So, okay, the serving is where you would put your arrow... There will be a very thin black or colored thread that is wrapped around very tightly. Perpendicular to the string, yeah. Yeah. And then you'll have a knock that sits where your arrow is supposed to rest on the string. Okay. And that'll be at the, the, at the loops too, right? Uh, Depending on how your compound is set up, whether it's a mechanical release or fingers, you can shoot the compound with the fingers. Mm-hmm. Where the trigger release is much nicer and they'll have the string loop on there. So then you don't need the knock. Okay. But on the recurves, we have the knock. It's just a reference point so that everything stays the same. Okay, for consistency. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knock is brass with either a black or a red, depending on your string size. Mm-hmm. They differentiate the inside diameter of the knock point with different colors. Mm-hmm. I was also told that it was important to, because my strings tend to unravel. Like, So I was told uh, as my string stretches that I need to start, like, twisting it more to keep its tightness. Yep. Okay. Give them a a little twist. Yeah. Uh, You'll notice it in your shooting, and what happens is your arrow will start to drop on target. Well, maybe that's been my problem, because I've noticed a lot of dropping. So, Hmm. you see, these are things I never thought to tighten it yet, because I'm like, I don't shoot that much, but... You know, when I do, it's I do see a lot of drops. So, because I that's I always thought that maybe it was my weight that was causing some issues about why I'm not making those those ranges on the 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 circuit the circuit that we do have on the yellows. Mm-hmm. No, like it, our archery circuit. I'm yeah. not hitting yeah, from the yeah. yellow stakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the yellow stakes, I wasn't. Um, my shots have not been very consistent. I do a lot of dropping. So well, none of those stakes are at the same distance either. No, no, I know that, but and that that's a judge point. 
Yes, of course. Um, so what about uh, when you're storing your bow, um, as far as I maintenance sh- goes, un- unstringing? If I'm going to store it for a long time, I'll unstring it. Mine are typically unstrung only because I'm putting them in the case. Okay. How long? Like when you, I put them in the. Sorry. How, go ahead. How long to you? It a long time. Like at a year, a month. With the recurves, if I'm not going to use it for another month or so, I'll unstring it. The compounds. Because it's mostly set up with cables. And the string is just the uh, leverage piece to activate, to turn the cams. My compound, I have not unstrung. Okay. You got me worried for a moment because I was like, oh, should I be unstringing my compound? No. No, the compounds are different. Okay. What happens is if you leave a recurve strung, the limbs start to get a memory. Oh, so like you, you almost like warp the wood. Yes. Okay. And then so I by unstringing it, you uh, put it back to its natural form. Okay. So what about unstringing using a a stringer or just using your legs and not hurting not, yourself? <laughs> <laughs> not recommended to use the legs, even though I've done it a few times. Yeah. I'm just too lazy to get the stringer out. Is that mostly mostly for safety or because you could warp the limbs that way? No, it's it's more of a safety because if you trip and fall, you could break the bolt. Yeah. That you know, string could snap got, on you and that would hurt. You got you got one leg in between the string and the bow, the other one holding the bottom end of the bow, and you're trying to Put some tension on the limbs, and yeah, if you slip and fall, you're gonna snap the limbs. Yeah. So better for for yourself and for the cost of the bow to not be doing that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, so uh, storage. Then you said you keep yours in a case, and yep. so we talked about backpacks. Um, now some people like to leave theirs assembled. Um, I guess a rack would be yep. appropriate. You can set the – typically you'll have the string up and the bowl would – the riser would drop down between hooks. Okay. So it's resting on the wood. Um, others, compounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of the compounds, Yeah. I've seen guys store them where they'll actually just have two hooks and the string yeah. goes on the hooks. Uh, any other suggested gear? I know. Brace. That's the arm protector. Mm-hmm. Um, depending what you're shooting, whether you use uh, the finger glove or the tabs. I just bought a tab today, actually. I've used the finger glove, but the, the guy was convincing me otherwise that I should get the, the finger tab. And it actually has like a, a spacer. Yes. And he recommended the spacer over. But now, you, but that brings us to another topic too. You you shoot three under, right? So the spacer is if you shoot two under with one on top, really. And yes. I do two under one. Oh, on you top. do. I thought you were shooting three under. I think I played around with both. 
Okay. So well, because Chris told me to start three under, so mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing. I find three under. I don't have to worry about putting pressure on the uh, arrow knock no. on the shaft. I'm not pinching it. I used I tried tab and I still would pinch down on the arrow. Well, so he was I saying, went to fingers. Yeah. And it was actually my aunt that told I, I was doing one one over two below. Mm-hmm. And then it was my aunt says, "Why don't you try three under?" Yeah. I tried it, and it's like, okay, this feels more natural to me because I'm pushing up on that arrow onto yeah. the knock, and I'm holding it there, but I'm not pinching it. Wow. Uh, the guy said the tab with the spacer actually helps, especially if you find that your arrow is coming off of the riser, like you're lose, it's rolling, is what he said. So if you do, if he said with the spacer, it helps to kind of lock it into place. So I'm excited to try that. I do like the glove, but I mean, it, I I don't know. I've and liked the, it, but the tab actually has hair on it. Yeah, my tab <laughs> has hair on it, so it'll be interesting to see. Now I know with compounds they have different kind of releases, though. Uh, Mike, what do you have? I have a mechanical release. You do? What kind? Like a trigger or? Yes, yeah, the trigger on so it. it. Straps around your wrist and you pull back and then you pull the trigger. Yep. And how do you like that? Um, okay. I find it a lot more consistent than using my fingers. Mm-hmm. So I, I do appreciate that. But uh, beyond that, I haven't I don't have enough experience really with it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What so you- what other types are there? I have this I have the same as Mike, so I don't have okay. any experience with anything else, but I know there's some that are like a almost like a metal bar and your hand actually goes the other way. Yep. So like the back of your hand is touching your cheek. I've seen those before, but I'm not sure what yeah, they're, they're called. They're like a T handle. Yeah, that's right. handle. Yeah. yeah. And they're trigger release also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you say, when you come back, your hands, back, your back of your hand is on your cheek. Yeah. Which I find awkward. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally different, right? Only because from shooting my compound with the the long, I'm going to call it the long cylindrical release style yeah. that wraps around your wrist, but also shooting recurve, at least that motion between the two is the same. Right, mm-hmm. right. I might have a different anchor point between the two, but it's mm-hmm. the same function, same draw. Where if you're coming back, you're you're turning your hand in and your elbow position changes. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, so we talked. Uh, I was looking at quivers today because I know I hate my hip one. I, it, it drives me nuts. I know some people like theirs, but I I've not been happy. I want to get a back one eventually. Those can be nice, or they can be a pain. Yeah, I guess it really depends on the person. So all depends how flexible you are with your arms. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, I guess I guess too, if you have longer arrows, it would be tougher too, right? Because you got a further distance to <laughs> to go. It's, women are usually more flexible in that area. Okay, cool. 
Good to know. Yeah, that would make sense. But as I try <laughs> back here, uh, um, I don't know. I've always loved the idea. Of, like that's the whole reason why my recurve, even though it's a takedown, I love the original. Like it looks more natural to me. Uh, I like recurve shooting. I would love the leather, um, uh, like a leather arm guard, a leather quiver. That that's totally if and if I could, I'd go all medieval, like brave style Merida dress too. While I'm at it, it'd be I'd have a lot of fun with it. But uh, shooting shooting from a horse. Let's try that next. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Not yet. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it would be preference. I did see some really cool sporty hip style quivers that I guess you would loop through a belt. Um, they look like they would not bounce around like mine does. I think I got mine for $11 at the Archer's Nook, and it has just like this little hook that goes on your pant loop. Yep. And but I just found like it was swinging everywhere. Drove me nuts. So. Here's well, um, the. It's got the three holders, right? The three holders? Like yeah. The three sleeves? Oh, well, there's two. There's two, but it's it's the same as Amanda's, so it just clips on my clips on my belt. It's just, it just hangs there. So as I'm walking, I always have to keep my hand on it to keep it from flopping around. But, um, yeah, I, I would like something maybe that goes through at least a belt loop, and then it wouldn't jiggle around so much. But, but your combo. But, yeah, the compound bow has a has the quiver attached. Oh, you've to got it. the clip on. Yeah. 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 What about you, Mike? What do you have? Uh, mine's also attached to my bow. Okay. So does that add a lot of extra weight though? Like, is that, I guess that's what everybody uses when they're hunting, right? Cause it's all right there and it's quiet. You set your system up and you can get those types of quivers for recurves also. Hmm. Really? Yes. But to me, it's like, it's just more weight. Mhm. I like the fact of shooting a recurve because there's less weight there. Yes, for sure. Where okay. my uh, compound, yeah, I know it's old. Yeah. But even the new ones, by the time you put all the yeah arrow holders and sighting in gadgets, it's amazing what they've got out there now for sights. Yeah. That's um, true too. Well, so that's another thing is sight. Obviously, they suggest no sights, but um, you know, it's, so is that something you would, if you had to say, okay, definitely go and grab this, or no, definitely leave it until later on. Um, basic sights on whether it's compound or recurve. Okay. If somebody wants to have sights on a recurve mm-hmm. they can um yeah. it's just, they're just basically just basically pins or pins in a peep um on a recurve it will be a sight pin or uh you could do a, a fiber optic okay that, and then you just adjust them up and down and they thread in and out so you can center it. Mm-hmm. compound uh, there is a whole world of options. I think I've even seen scopes. Yes, there's even range finders. <laughs> wow. Um, so any gear to avoid? I see 
Did you type that in, Mike? Snake oil gear? Yeah. Okay. The kind of stuff that uh, someone tells you, oh, it, it's uh, what's going to make all the difference in your shooting, and really it's just a hunk of junk. <laughs> any any advice there, Chris? <sighs> We've got to think about On it. that one, a lot of it's going to boil down to your archery store. Okay. So, uh, but do you know of anything that's like a, a mute point? I don't think there's a lot of gimmicks with archery, is there? Not like training aids with firearms. It's kind of... There's going to be... Okay, some of it I found out with my compound, and it was the arrow rest. Mm-hmm. So I have on mine, my arrow rest sits that up, and it would drop away when I released. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then I went to... Another style of drop away, which uses the uh, main bowstring okay. to, to activate it. And when you release, it drops down. I had issues with that. So it's okay. Right now, my bow, my compound's in the shop. Mm-hmm. Because so you, I couldn't, mine wasn't shooting consistently. So we even talked about changing to a whisker biscuit, which is basically a circle with a whole bunch of bristle brushes in it. Okay. Works great for certain types of fletching, except for the fletching I had. Oh, of course. <laughs> it well, actually, over time, will tear the fletching right off. So, so it's it's knowing okay this is what I have what's going to work with it and that's going to be up to your bow experts. Okay, that's fair enough. So you you tend to put a little bit more reliability on uh, the bow shops because they are professionals at what they're doing, and you pay for that yep. service basically. Okay. So do you do any other uh, little add-ons to, to quiet your bow at all? Like adding in, uh, I think one was actually beaver hair. Yeah. Like a little fur. ball of beaver fur in your in your string. Or um, I've seen some compound, like, compounds have like strings attached or little spiky things attached. Like spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's all sorts of things out there to silence the strings. Mm-hmm. You Whether feel it's little pieces of rubber or it looks like a whole bunch of elastics put together. Uh, John, my uncle, he, when he shot, he shot recurve for many years and he always had, it was yarn. Really? That he would weave in the string. Yeah, I did see that. that there's a whole weaving process now, but for compounds though. There's something different. Compounds typically just they'll split the string in half. Okay. So they'll count, they'll figure out what the count is on the string, mm-hmm. and then they'll split the strands, and they'll insert, and then they'll insert the silencer in. And uh, some of them have a serving put on, or it's just another elastic. Mhm that they weave in. Um, do you sacrifice speed when you do that? 
for the most part, no. Okay. Most of them, like, you get into the compounds like that, most of them are, uh, you're running 300 feet a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, obviously, one thing that we can't miss on a bow is the arrows, so... Um, when we're looking at starter arrows, obviously length is important. Um, we're going to have to look at tips and what your use is for. And so what general pointers do you have on how to pick a, an arrow? Starter fiberglass arrows, they're pretty bulletproof. It takes a lot to destroy them. Okay. So misses, trees, stumps. Mm-hmm. They're easier to pull out because just the way they're designed. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're going to use a broadhead, though, uh, for hunting. Yep. And field tips for archery targets. All your target shooting is typically done with a field point. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're out and about public land and you want to stump shoot, you can use a blunt which 38 special empty casings work real well for. (laughs) Mike, do you have any of those? I may have a few hanging around. (laughs) (laughs) I've Uh, got probably three dozen shafts that have those glued on the end of them. Very cool. Now, uh, fletching versus um, veins. First of all, can we define what those are? Uh, so well, fletching, one's plastic, one's feathers. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Plastic and feathers. So, well, I love. I remember shooting my my arrows with the feather fletchings, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but the cost for the plastic veins were considerably less and more durable. More durable, yeah. Because I noticed my my fletchings were getting destroyed pretty quickly. So. But for a newbie, what would you suggest? The plastics are the way to go. Plastics. Now, what about bending? I found, like, mine kind of curled a little bit. Take a hair dryer. Take a hair dryer. Okay. Just warm cool. them up a bit. And then straighten them out? Yep. Very good. Well, what, what does one offer over another, though? Like, is one more um, forgiving or one faster or... I, Okay, typically when you're shooting plastic veins, mm-hmm. they are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And the the thinking and theory behind it is, okay, if I put a smaller vein on, but I'm shooting a faster bow, theoretically, I'm going to spin faster, but I'm yeah. going to cut less wind because of the size. Okay. Where a feather or longer veins, which is used in the hunting, we don't care about the speed as long as we have the kinetic energy at the end of it. Okay. We'll typically use a heavier shaft, heavier um, tip. Okay, because you you need need final impact. We want final impact, but we want stability. Yeah. Where the longer veins give you that stability, but they increase your air drag. Gotcha. 
Okay. Uh, well, let's just see here. What about targets? So obviously, how much do you want to spend? Yeah. <laughs> Little as possible. Guess so. what? Cardboard is an actual wonderful target. Yeah. So you put in some time and effort for Target, that'd be all right. I think I bought a foam foam one from Canadian Tire. I feel like it was only fifty bucks, and it's it's still held up quite nicely. Yep. Um, and that boils down to what you're shooting at it. Yeah, yeah. 20, twenty pound recurve compared to a compound. Yep. Well. You got com- you got compounds out there now that are running 425 feet per second. Yeah. If they get any faster, they're going to need a license for it. Yeah. How? Yeah. <laughs> um, but think of that. Any bylaws to consider? I know that there is a standard for hunting. We said it was 40 pounds, right? Uh, 40 or 45 pounds is the minimum, but that it- depends on your species. So you mm-hmm. need to the Hunting regs has the numbers in there. Okay. Um, That's good to know. Uh, any other, like, I, I used to shoot in the field next door to my house before I started going to the range. But, you know, maybe someone could have said, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. It, most that- places, I, I'm going to say most municipalities. Well, here's the kicker. In the hunting in the uh, bows are classified under the firearms. Really? Yes. Okay. And that's discharging a firearm then. Yes. Okay. Most people don't say squat about your backyard. (laughs) I was thinking that because you see lots of videos of people shooting in their backyard or shooting (laughs) in a field or. I shoot my backyard. Yeah. Okay. So basically, check with your bylaw officers if you're concerned. Check with your neighbors. Check with your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Jerky neighbor. Be more worried about my neighbors than the bylaw officer. Yeah. If the neighbors get grumpy, then the bylaw officer shows up. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. it's yeah. Um, the bulls, and it's in the hunting regs where it shows it. Yeah. That bulls are classified as a firearm. Which is a little weird when you think about it because, well, there's no real trigger on a bow other than the mechanical release. Right. But still could cause a lot of damage used improperly. Yes. Um, As far as targets go, if you're just shooting recurve, most of the targets out there are going to stop them. I know the ones we have at the club, they're rated for 330 feet per second. And even when we cranked them down with a ratchet strap and a sling, we were just barely stopping the the big crossbows. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, that was a lot of information to take in for bows for basics. But, <laughs> but there, there's... So to sum it up, basically find a shop that you trust, uh, figure out what kind of shooting you're looking to do, and kind of have a price point in mind and think of your safety first. So am I correct in all of that? 
No, yeah. that sounds good. The sounds bo- good. The bow shop shooter's choice is excellent in the Waterloo area. They definitely yeah. have helped me out a lot. When yeah. I took when I got my uh, compound, I took it there and I, I knew nothing about anything. And they helped. They got me a new string. They looked for used parts. They were really helpful and they made sure everything was working properly and it fit me okay. And mm-hmm. they're just super helpful there. Yeah. Uh, good, there's a good shop in Delaware. Very good. And Mike, have you had good experience when you were buying your bow? Yeah, it was adequate. I mean, I don't know enough to really uh, give them a good rating or good review, I should say. I I found it didn't matter what store I went into, but most of the guys in the archery department were very knowledgeable um, and had lots of tips and tricks to to kind of get you through your first go. So. Okay, well, I do see here we have a listener email. Do you want to go and read that through, Mike? Sure. (laughs) Hello, all. I just finished the episode on budgeting and wanted to let you all know that I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought Amanda shared some fantastic ideas on not just budgeting for shooting, but day-to-day living. As someone whose spouse is primary budgeter slash banker in the house, It got me thinking about my involvement in the day-to-day budgeting and how I should at least look at the spreadsheets every once in a while. I also wanted to share my way of deciding on gun slash gun accessory purchases. Pretty much it's me deciding I don't need any more guns, that I have enough to suit my needs. Mike then finds one or convinces me I need another one, just in case (laughs) I decide to switch divisions. What, What to add... Oh, what? What to add carry optics? Oh, want to add carry optics. Uh, need a third backup gun, etc. Next thing I know, I am the proud owner of a shiny new firearm. Need a big help <laughs> when I am making a purchase. Laugh out loud. Keep up the good work. I'm enjoying the new perspectives of Josh and Amanda. They're helping to break it down for people brand new to the sport and are helping to fill in the blanks for people who may have spent a few years in it, but still have lots of questions. Sarah. So that was from my Thank wife. Thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and she told me she was being nice. So thank you. So has, she che- has she checked in on the spreadsheets yet? I, I don't know. I would, I could, I'm not going to guarantee, I'm not going to bet money on this, but I am pretty positive. I'd say that's a hard no. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate that, Sarah. Thank you so much. I, I'm glad to get some feedback from her. If she has any other constructive criticism, I'd be happy to hear it. So, <laughs> I think everyone would. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, so if any of our listeners do have any other feedback, questions, or comments, you may um, send it in either by email at host at newshootercanada.ca, uh, pop in on our Messenger on Facebook page, or in the comments section of our website at newshootercanada.ca. So don't forget to like us on Facebook and leave us a comment and a rating on iTunes, please, and thank you. Uh, So how about some shout-outs? I see, Mike, you have one? Uh, Yeah, just to my buddy Dan, who gave me uh, some ball bearings that helped me complete the uh, bullet-feeding die. So well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things I just needed. I need one or I thought I needed two. I only needed one, but I could only buy them in a bag of 50 or a hundred. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm going to buy 100 of them and take one out and then never touch the other 99. It's just a waste. So, slingshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> All righty. How about you, Josh? Uh, just a shout out to my buddy Jeff uh, going out to the range with me last weekend and for feeding my growing knife addiction. He passed along a CRKT copacetic to me, and that was that was a nice gesture, and I'll give it a good home. Thank you. All right. What about you, Chris? Any shout-outs? Uh, thanks for poking and broadening to get me to go out to the shoot. That was a lot of fun today. Um, yeah, I'm a good needler. I'm a good, uh, <laughs> good at bugging people. <laughs> My shout-outs to Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh you know, I know we've been needling you to come on here as well, but you do have a wealth of knowledge. And we've, I know that Josh and I greatly appreciate your help when it came to our archery experience and our journey. And also want to give a shout out to uh, the guys that ran the uh, partisan shoots today. It was a lot of fun and it was well organized. And I mean, it was really nice that you only got to spend 20 bucks and have a nice afternoon shooting. So. So Lots of fun. Next, next time we got to get Mike out there. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you think that this is going to be the beginning of your uh, competitive shooting career? I think so. I just need to get better scores, and then I'll feel better about it. So. We all need better scores. We all need better scores. <laughs> of course, naturally. <laughs> all righty. Well, to wrap things up, go ahead and shoot like a girl. Choose your caliber wisely. And Chris, do you have a tagline? Don't let the string slap your arm. (laughs) I love it. All right, have a good night, everyone. I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.